seated. Let not your hearts be troubled. Really? Really? Is that for us? Tonight I wonder if any among us are feeling abused that I would dare to have chosen such a cheery sounding scripture for this observance. As though I might actually just tell each one of us to just cheer up. On a night when we gather ostensibly to acknowledge our pain in this season, ostensibly to recognize how difficult it is to, to join in the frivolity of the season when we're hurting or suffering or, or feeling rejected or feeling unwanted. Do you wonder what I was thinking that I would even choose such a cheery verse? It doesn't quite feel fair, does it? When we're really hurting, nobody wants to hear somebody say, Hey, buck up. What do you think of when you think of this verse that I I was read tonight? Let not your heart be troubled. What kind of a day do you think it was? What was going on? Do you think of a beautiful summer morning and birds are singing and there's a brook nearby and the disciples are just going, wow, isn't Jesus wonderful? And children somewhere are playing noisily and happily. I have to confess, I used to see that verse that way. And it goes back to the fault of those people that divided up our Bible into chapter and verses. So why would anyone choose this verse or this passage tonight? On this night when we want to acknowledge the pain, the losses in our lives that make it hard for us to join in the celebration that everyone's having around us. Why? Well, it's fair to ask... When and why Jesus spoke these words? What was going on? What was the context, the setting? What was happening? What was going on in the minds of the disciples? And he he did say it to the disciples. Was it really a beautiful day after all? A calm day? Warm, but not too warm. (laughs) Or was it something else? Well, when we do go and look at the surrounding verses, the surrounding context, it wasn't a beautiful day at all. It wasn't even the daytime. These words were spoken in the dark of night, and no, the birds were not singing. And it wasn't a very nice night either. In truth, it was a catastrophically horrible night. 
Imagine the worst night you can imagine, and it was that night. It was a night when the whole world of Jesus' disciples began to cave in on them, moment by moment, word by word. And it was all at once. It was a night when His disciples were devastated, scared, hurting, confused, helpless, maybe even angry, and certainly feeling completely out of control. And it was a night when everything was going to get infinitely worse before it ever began to get better. I can only imagine that for the rest of that night and in the couple of days that followed, they must have felt that Jesus and God Himself had forsaken and forgotten them. You see... Jesus spoke these words to His closest disciples that night, the very night that He was captured and tried, the very night before He was beaten, whipped, crucified, and buried. He told them that very night He was going to be betrayed by one of their own members, one of the twelve. He told them that very night that all of them would flee into the darkness and they'd leave Him alone to face His enemies. Just Him. He spoke these words. And He looked at Peter. And He told Peter that Peter would deny Him three times before the sun rose again. Before the cock crowed. He spoke these words the night that he would be tried unfairly, tried where a guilty verdict was already established. That is the night in which he spoke these words. Let not your heart be troubled. Let me read the passage together with you with some of the verses that preceded it. Now, the passage what we read was beginning in chapter 14, verse 1 of John. Listen to the verses from chapter 13, just the, verse, the chapter before, verse 21. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. They couldn't imagine that one of their fellow disciples, someone else who had walked with Jesus, who had seen him do miracles, who had seen him feed the 5,000, raise the dead, heal the sick, teach like nobody had ever taught before. Three years they had followed him. And one of them was going to betray him? It was hard for them to comprehend. Two other Gospels on this night also record Jesus telling His disciples that they were going to forsake Him. That every one of them was going to leave Him and He'd be alone. Matthew describes it this way in Matthew twenty-six thirty-one. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of Me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
His disciples will all fall away on account of Him. This word of their impending failures must have wounded them, must have hurt them deeply, must have let them disturbed like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. I wouldn't do that. Would I? Would I? Then Jesus tells Peter that Peter will deny him and then deny him again and then deny him again. Peter, who had just sworn, I will, I'll die for you, Jesus. It's 13th chapter of John again, the chapter just before our reading, beginning with verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Peter meant it, guys. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter, who thought he was so strong. Peter, who thought he was so devoted. Peter, who thought his, his, his faith, his love for Christ was unshakable. Was told he's going to deny. Deny his Lord. Three times. But you know what the very next words from Jesus' lips were? Right after he says, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Do you know what the next words out of Jesus' lips were? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Really? Yeah. Really. Jesus is saying, yes, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you, my most trusted friends. I'll be betrayed into the hands of Gentiles who will crucify me. Yes, and all of you will abandon me. You'll scatter into the darkness and you'll leave me alone to face that trial, to face the beatings, to face the scourgings by myself. All of you will abandon me. And yes, Peter, you think you will gladly lay down your life for me? No. You're going to deny me three times. But, but, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Trust me even though I have told you I am about to be crucified. Trust me. Yes, he says, it's going to look exactly like I have failed my father, and exactly like I am failing you, and exactly like my father has failed me when they nail my feet and my hands to a cross and raise it into the air. But you must continue to trust God. And continue to trust me 
anyway. British sociologist and believer Oz Guinness wrote a book on doubt. He entitled it In Two Minds. And he said, you know, it's as though the life that we live, it's as though you're in the underground fighting perhaps in World War II. And you meet your contact, the one person that connects you with the rest of the underground movement. And uh, he takes you aside and he tells you that in the next couple of days you're going to see stuff that will make you question me. Make you doubt that I'm on the side that I'm telling you I'm on. But whatever you see, continue to trust me anyway. He said, then the next thing that you see a week later is your contact wearing the uniform of the enemy. Will you trust? Yes. Yes, he's saying, you are my disciples who have spent three years following me. And you'll soon wonder what it was all for. And still this night, every one of you will abandon and forsake me. You, Peter, will deny me three times. But still, each one of you needs to quiet your heart. To make your heart peaceful. And to know that my Father's house has many rooms. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So that each of you can be with me where I am. So that you can be with me where I am. Even though every one of you will fail me tonight. Well, utterly stunning, mind-blowing, isn't it? Such magnificent words after such a depiction of disaster that was coming and would come that very night. Think of what Jesus had already gone through or would go through in the next 24 hours. Being betrayed, being rejected, being misunderstood, being hated, being abused, being abandoned. Being falsely accused, being mocked, being lied about, stripped naked and humiliated, being shamed, being physically beaten to the point of incapacitation, being killed, buried, dead. As I think about these things, I suspect that it may be that there's just no human wound so raw, so deep, or so foul that Jesus can't relate to it. Yeah, this season, the season that is so filled with frivolity, at least outside of God's people, can be really, really hard when you're hurting. Of course it's hard to sing. Of course it's hard to dance. Of course it's hard to enjoy your meals. 
course, it's hard to celebrate when we experience the deepest pains of life, especially when they all seem to come at once and from every direction, like it happened for Jesus' disciples that night. That night before he was betrayed and killed for our sins. But to them, and now to us, down through the generations, generations that suffered pain and torture and famine and war, Jesus still speaks those same words that once shone so shockingly bright into the midst of our deepest and darkest suffering and pain. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. I think that when we boil it all down to its core, the story of Christmas is the story of a Savior who came into this world, a Savior who can only save this world by suffering and dying for it. It's the story of a Savior who calls us in the midst of our pain and suffering and struggles, and He tells us not to let our hearts be troubled. No matter what losses we've experienced or, or may yet experience. And that, that is something that can and, and must be celebrated in every age by every believer. Even now, even here, even if we dare, even by you and me tonight. Even when we are hurting, like on that night, Jesus' disciples were hurting. 